Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of Reckless A Talk, our TTRPG interview show where we sit down with some of our favorite writers, players, GMs, and streamers to get to know a little bit more about what makes them who they are. I am, as always, your host, GM Nathan, and this week I was lucky enough to sit down with P. Vincent, owner of Table Cat Games and creator of the recent Savage Worlds setting, Street Wolves. PV started in the space right around the time we did and has been a really lovely person to get to know and see grow. I really liked them, and then I got a hold of his flavorful, dramatic, synthwave, retro-futuristic work with Street Wolves, and, well, I, I really, really liked that, too. We touch on so much in this interview, enforcing vibes, Miami Vice, chasing the fun, what synthwave actually is, more about Miami Vice... But I think this interview is really special because it gives a really thoughtful look at genre game design, one of my favorite kinds of game design, and an inspirational look at dreaming big and doing the work required to make that happen. As always, links to Street Wolves, PV's socials, and other things discussed in the episode are in the show notes. And now, here's this week's Reckless to Talk. See you next time. Hello, PV. Hello. <laughs> Am I allowed to speak right now? You are. Yes. Oh, yes. Uh, sorry, we didn't clear that in the pre-show banter. Is right. that there's 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 no like secret gateway that you need to pass through. I don't want to speak too soon. I don't want to get yelled at. So yeah, some podcasts are very like, don't say anything until we've introduced you officially. But no, I just start screaming at you, and All then right. you're expected to start screaming back, and then that's that's the format for the next like hour plus. So. Already off to a great start, in my opinion. Uh, but, but hello. So excited hello. to have you here. <laughs> I'm excited to be here. Thank you. So for the listeners at home who are unfamiliar with you and your work, could you please introduce yourself, who you are, what you do, your pronouns, all that good stuff. All right. Uh, I'm Paul or PV or Vincent, Paul Vincent. I, I've never really settled on an actual... <laughs> first name uh within the ttrpg sphere but uh you know you could call me any combo in there uh my pronouns he him uh most people probably know me from table cats games twitter uh i'm also on other social media and i've been in a few ap's but it's mostly just me blabbing on twitter all day so <laughs> what someone blabbing on twitter all day that is i'm an not experience i'm not at all familiar with right and i'm not on it as much as i used to be because now i'm trying to spread the you know the the love around the social <laughs> media so like tumblr and all that kind of stuff but i'm still on twitter quite a bit it's hard it's a hard habit to break yeah it's it is it is truly insidious in the ways that it burrows into one's brain but we're not we're, well I'm not going to say we're not here to talk about Twitter, because who knows, we might still talk about Twitter, but we're primarily here to not talk about Twitter. We're here to talk about tabletop role-playing games, including your very excellent product, Street Wolves, which dropped, what was it, like a couple weeks ago? A couple weeks ago. Yeah, feels like years ago now, but yeah, time becomes this weird thing, (laughs) you know, the older you get, where it's just like days get longer or shorter or whatever, so... Well, and especially you've been working on Street Wolves for so long, ever since I 
I was aware of you have been, you know, kind of like at least tangentially working towards Street Wolves. So I'd imagine it's kind of a surreal, surreal experience to finally have it out in the world. It was about two or three years, depending on when you count the start. It actually was from a project that I killed many years before that. So it, you know, you could say that I've been working on it like five to 10 years, (laughs) but a solid two, three for really, you know, taking over my life. And, you know, it, it was one of those things where a lot of other creators, they make smaller things. Yep. And you'd see them releasing these things and I'm still on this <laughs> thing. And it's just, oh, I can't I can't wait to finish this. And, and finally it, it came out. And now I, I can actually I feel like now I can call myself a creator because I have something out there. Yeah, it is. Right? It is. There's something existing. You are not just creating. You have created. Publicly. Created. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I think well, the well, past tense is important. There. Well, I, at least in ter- like internally, you know, yeah, like in right. the mind, in the heart is like, well, I have one thing out there and that's pretty fucking cool. Uh, yeah. But we'll get we'll get to your very flavorful, excellent neon noir, savage world setting slash game Street Wolves uh, a little bit later on. We got to We got to We got to back it up. We got to back it up just a bit. And by a bit, I mean some quite amount of time. Because what is a story without a good origin story behind it? How did you get get involved and introduced to tabletop role-playing games? So I am kind of a late bloomer in a way because I grew up in a really small town where there weren't that many nerds there wasn't hardly anybody playing Dungeons and Dragons and forget any other game, right? Yeah. I know that, you know, (laughs) I'm not a big D and D guy, but it's like, that's it. If there's not Dungeons and Dragons, there's probably not other things. And I wanted to get into a group, but nobody really was playing it. But my love was Star Wars. It was a big, big, big Star Wars and GI Joe stuff. But like Star Wars is always my number one love. Um, And it's hard to imagine out the kids, but there was a period where there was a star Wars drought from the end of yep. <laughs> return of the Jedi to about like the mid nineties, there was almost nothing. And there was a company called West end games that published a star Wars role-playing game. And what was great about those books is it had all this background and lore and, and, all this stuff that you didn't get from the movies. And there's a lot of stuff that actually came from that role-playing game uh, that kind of became a part of Star Wars. But I got those books, even though I didn't really play. You you were just thirsty for Star Wars content. Oh, I was so thirsty. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, cool, this has an X-Wing on it. So therefore I should probably own it. Right. There was probably a period of time where I I bought everything Star Wars because they made almost nothing. Yeah. You know? But uh, I would absorb those books and I tried playing it a couple times with a couple friends, but it didn't really work because um, I think we discount now how hard it is to get into a role playing game if you live in a vacuum. Yes. Like there's so many concepts where it's just like you can read in the book, but unless somebody is there to kind of help it guide you a little bit, like now there's YouTube videos and stuff. Right. But back then it was just like, Am I doing this right? I don't think so. It's not really working. You know, it feels and, very weird. And yeah. feeling weird might mean that I'm doing it wrong. And what do I do with that information? 
Totally. And, you know, I was the GM and I didn't know all the rules. So it freaked me out that when somebody tried to do something and, you know, I just felt all this (laughs) pressure. So I kind of gave that dream up. And then after college, I started working at a half price books. Oh, cool. uh, Yeah. Milwaukee. Yeah. And one of the managers I was friendly with, he said, do you want to play Star Wars role playing game? And I was like, (laughs) oh, my God, you have no idea what you just said to me and how, how meaningful that is. And so then we went around and, you know, we kind of recruited some other people and we ended up playing in a game that lasted a few years. It was wow. weekly and it we had these stories and it, you know, it was it was the West End Games version, too. But that's how I really got into playing it. And then for a while I, you know, ran it and I got in a couple D&D games. So it was kind of like sporadic for a while after that, because that group ended up dying as all good groups eventually (laughs) do. Um, But, you know, I got into running my own stuff, you know, and it's not because necessarily I'm a forever GM. It's mostly because I like doing it. Yeah. Um, But uh, I ran Star Wars uh, Saga Edition. I ran Delta Green. um, And I don't, you know, if you want to get into the history of Street Wolves or whatever, it that's, kind of I mean, that's going to be a large portion of of the interview so most certainly <laughs> i don't know when you want me to un- unleash got the it, got secrets yeah, yeah, yeah. right but i'll just say that there was that point where i wanted to play gi joe as a role-playing game there was no gi joe role-playing game there is now um, but at the time there wasn't and so i took those star wars rules and i made a gi joe game out of it and i played i actually ended up playing that for a long time with some friends and that eventually morphed into Street Wolves. So, oh, cool. Yeah. And so you can, if if you look at Street Wolves, which you should buy. <laughs> which you should look at. We should look at Street you Wolves. Should you shouldn't pirate it. You should buy it. No. Yeah. Um, if you look at Street Wolves and you kind of like look at some of the things that are in the lore, you can definitely see the G.I. Joe stuff. So it's still there. It's more like it's in a world where G.I. Joe existed and then went away. And now there's these guys. The that makes wolves. sense. So. And and that is especially interesting to me. There's one, there's like, now that you say that, there is one particular image from the book that is de- extremely G.I. Joe in my brain now where it's like, oh yeah, there's the G.I. Joe. That's the G.I. Joe one. It's the one of the person with like a, like a machine gun walking through an arcade. Yeah. Uh, with like these huge cool sunglasses and like, you know, like pushed up hair, buzz cut kind of thing. It's like, oh yeah, that's G.I. Joe vibes, at least for me as a as a peon. Other than, hey, this is Star Wars, and so that's cool. Uh, what part of, of like playing and or running tabletop games, um, as divorced from like writing writing tabletop games, like what what grabbed you? Like what was the what was the part that for you was really interesting and made you hungry to keep playing, to keep running, and then eventually to to keep creating? I would say that it had to have it would have to be that I always was sort of a uh I guess I was a writer, but I just didn't like publish anything, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And I wrote stories all the time, that kind of stuff, and then I just kind of stopped and then i realized that you know i could write stories for my friends and we Mm -hmm. you know and you know i was a little bit too railroady 
Uh, you know, I'll admit it. It took me a while to get past that. Yep. Everyone know. Everyone. Everyone is has has been there. I think, or at least lots of lots have. But the core was that I could create this framework without having to write all the dialogue and stuff because that's the worst part in the descriptions, <laughs> right? I would kind of create this framework, and then my friends would go through it and fill it out, and we would yeah. all tell the story together, and it was a much more dynamic way to get that writing mm -hmm. desire out, you know, and, and it was that it was a small table of people rather than, you know, s selling a book to like a thousand people or, you know, whatever. But it, it, it I, it got that desire out of me or like, I kind of got yeah. that enjoyment from writing and then, you know, playing with people and hanging out and all that kind of stuff. So, in, in like I have to I have to bop around because once I start talking about like types of stories and genres and whatever, then that immediately is just going to suck into Street Wolves conversation, which okay. is then what we're just going to talk about for a while. So you're you're running, you know, kind of like you're you're starting to homebrew a G.I. Joe system. You're starting to kind of get involved in in design and stuff. When does the kernel of an idea of of not just that I want to run GI Joe and have rules for GI Joe, but I want to maybe do something more robust with it, whatever it ends up being. Obviously it ended up being street wolves, but was there like a point where it kind of clicked for you of like this? What if other people want this? I think it was mostly that I wanted to be able to share the stories that I wrote. So basically the mm -hmm. adventures and the best way to do that would be, okay, well, if I make this G.I. Joe game, which was called Operation, or sorry, it started as Operation, then I had to change it because there's a video game that's Operation Wolf, <laughs> uh, but it was Special Mission Force Wolfpack. And if you know Street Wolves at all, like Wolfpack's mm -hmm. the major faction of the good guys, um, but it was Special, special Mission Force Wolfpack. And I thought, well, if people got this then I could, you know, have the adventures for it out too. And then they could enjoy them. So it was kind of like the stealth way to get my adventures <laughs> into the yeah, world. Yeah. You know? Just It only requires 150, 160 pages of work. Yeah. Before and then you, you can get start to the... releasing adventures. Easy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can tell I really thought a lot about this kind of stuff. <laughs> um, but, you know, and, and then, of course, I had a file all the serial numbers off because i didn't want to get sued yep um but yeah it, it's just that desire to get those stories out there and so did it change to street wolves before you kind of decided oh i want to have this maybe be a real thing like were you already kind of trending in that direction beforehand or was it a like I want to start putting stuff out for people to enjoy. So it, I guess it shouldn't, I should really make it less GI Joe <laughs> than it is right now. It, it basically died before it got to that point because I had yeah. wrote a lot of the book. I, I wrote a ton of it. Actually, I had a launch party for street wolves of people who are in the discord and I scrolled through and I'm like, look at, look at my uh, shame here, everyone. This is the book that ever <laughs> came out. But it kind of died and I just fell out of love with it. And I think it's because it wasn't unique enough. Yeah. Right? Like if I think about it enough, it was like, it didn't, wasn't its own thing enough to make me want to keep going. 
And so when it died, you know, it was like, okay, I guess that dream's over. I, I don't, I didn't really know what to do after that point. And I, I kind of bumbled along with making some system agnostic stuff that maybe I'll release someday now that I've actually <laughs> made something. Yeah. Done a thing. But you know, when the pandemic happened and it's still happening, unfortunately, but when it started, I kind of had all this extra time because I didn't have a commute anymore and all, you know, I wasn't going to my parents as much. I couldn't visit friends, but I had all this extra time in it. So I thought, you know what? I should go back to it. And I had remembered that when we quit playing Wolfpack, I had actually started an adventure where the GI Joes had gone to Miami because it took place in the eighties and they met Crockett and Tubbs from my, it's as corny as crap, but <laughs> they, they actually met, you know, Crockett and Tubbs from Miami vice and they were working a vice case and the players really responded well to that. And so when I went back to the whole project, that was the fun thing. Why don't I look at doing that more? Mm. You know, mm-hmm. so that kind of skewed the path away from, okay, it's this military right. thing to like this other thing. And um, if we want to get in a little bit, because uh, I was going to Savage Worlds, another big reason was somebody had already done G.I. Joe and Savage Worlds. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, reason. can't do it. So, um, what is the unique angle? I like that Miami Vice junk. Let's do that. Yeah. So. so as we kind of, you know, kind of talk a little bit more about, about Street Wolf specifically, I want to take that step back and, and first just say that Street Wolves is so full of flavor and vibes uh, in a good way. We're like, that's, that's what I want out of a, out of a setting is just vibes and, and crunchy goodness, but is very steeped, as you've already mentioned in a lot of genre, you know, it is very Miami Vicey. It is like, there is that little bit of like GI Joe, but also there's like a lot of Blade Runner sprinkled in and there's tons of other stuff. Um, so first in this line of questioning is what are the kinds of stories or maybe, maybe the better question is what about the stories that kind of eventually made them made their way into street wolves? What calls to you about them? Um, like what, what about Miami vice do you like? What about blade runner is cool to you? Um, or, you know, kind of any of the other, especially kind of very eighties things that, that exist there. I like the feelings that the protagonists, well, the 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 things they go through and then the the vibes and such you know i feel weird vibes like i'm old so i say vibes a lot now but like (laughs) the aesthetics um of when they 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 go through the ringer and there's all this emotion like you know that that you know that phil collins is playing in the background and they're (laughs) you know they have these like serious looks and the wind's blowing in their hair as they drive down to you know, the docks to get into like a confrontation, Absolutely. just that kind of stuff really gets me going. <laughs> yeah. So over the top, like extreme, like a little tongue in cheek, but also very deadly serious. <laughs> yeah. And I, one thing, you know, about Miami vice that I love versus other shows. So, you know, there's two shows I, I watch a lot of right now that are took place at the same time. There's Miami vice and a cop show called Hunter. 
Hunter is like cop that you know is does kind of what he wants and it's there's a lot of action he's a tough you know but miami vice had this whole thing where the job is literally destroying the police so crockett and tubbs are being eaten up inside by you know just being involved in that world and you know a big spoiler for the end of Miami Vice, I always love telling people this, but you know, uh, if you don't want to know the end, uh, I'm sorry. Skip forward 30 seconds or so. The way the series ends is they quit because they realize that there's always going to be another bad guy. You know, they can't make a difference, which is such a weird way to end a series. <laughs> you know, yeah. like it wasn't they didn't win. They quit. And, you know, uh, that really appealed to me that 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 there was something so like um, I don't know what the right word for it would be like negative or or desperate or, you know, just those feelings that that, you know, the only way out is either through death or quitting. Right. Nihilistic. That's the word I'm looking for. And I guess that's one reason why I love, uh, you know, other RPGs. Delta Green is like my favorite RPG to run. It's so <laughs> brutally nihilistic. Mm-hmm. And it's just that feeling of like, you know, being on the edge and the danger of being pulled under, right? You're only just treading the surface. Mm-hmm. Are you someone either as a designer, as a consumer, whatever? Do you Do you like the Miami Vice ending? Like, do you like that the final moment of a story is that they quit or they die? Like, do you do you like that? Or do you like that they're, that there's the threat of that and that it's kind of like pushing that way or kind of what's the what's your personal outlook? Because like for me, I'm like, well, of course, it could go like that. But they managed to find their own meaning, you know, in the system and blah, 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 where it like has a hopeful turn. But that's not necessarily everyone's style, especially playing Delta Green, for example. I guess for me, it's a lot of I... I like hopeful stories. I don't like when the heroes die and that kind of stuff. Um, but on the other hand, like if we're looking at this particular genre or or this type of story, I like it that way where um, I, we're going to give away more endings. I'm sorry, everyone who <laughs> hasn't seen Drive yet. Have you seen the movie Drive at all? I haven't, but by all means, go ahead. It's the ending isn't particularly happy because he can't be with the woman that he fell in love with essentially during the course of the movie, but he does get away and avenge like, you know, he kills a bunch of people, but (laughs) it's kind of like, it's sad, but also sort of hopeful. Right. Yeah. So he drives away to the next town or whatever. He doesn't get killed at the end. He, you know, he, you know what whatever his life is after this point we don't know i wish there was a sequel but um it's that kind of thing with this sort of genre where it's not completely dire and hopeless but it's pretty dark yeah uh, yeah pretty dark i think is a good (laughs) a good summation Uh, okay we will take the final step can you summarize a little bit as to what street wolves is yeah, hang on. Let me find my notes here. <laughs> so, okay, here we go. You're ready for the pitch. And this is going to be loaded with $5 words. So Street Wolves <laughs> is a synthwave-inspired neo-noir 
retro futuristic action adventures with the heroes fighting street level battles against a, the forces of evil lurking under the surface. So I can, that was just too much. I, I know I, I've heard, I've heard much. you give a similar distillation before using all those $5 words. Yeah. And it, it never gets old. I like, I like hearing just the string of, of descriptors all at once, but carry on. If, if you'd like, I guess for someone who's not Nathan, if you'd like to break it down a little bit further, I guess that's fine. So the, the, the more simple version is your investigators or problem solvers in a retro rad moody altered 1980s hell yeah there we go so both good both speak to me (laughs) awesome yeah so um basically uh you know in street wolves and you can run it however you want that's the one thing i always tell people is like if you want to go big action fine that's at your table but the way i've tried to go about it and the way i play it is I love slow burn investigations. Like mm-hmm. something's wrong here. Figure it out. You know, maybe you get into a scrape or two, you know, in a bar and, or you, you know, you find a dead body and you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then it kind of builds and builds and builds. And a lot of times in the adventures that I've run, there's a big blowout ending type of thing with combat and whatever, but it doesn't have to be that way. I always kind of have like the safety valve of, players really don't want to do combat they can get around it mm-hmm. um but generally that's the way 99 of groups i've ever run anything with is they they want to get to that fight at the end or whatever so i kind of build that it but my favorite part of it is the street level investigations you don't really know who to trust um because they're the bad guys have kind of infiltrated like law enforcement and pol- politics politics sorry and so they're kind of on their own you know they're usually given a mission i i have this kind of uh, a way to set it up where you know there's this organization called Wolfpack that kind of gives you these missions and then you're expected to just do them yeah it's very um, faction driven kind of setting where yeah. like the pcs belong to a faction and there are rival factions and there's just kind of a lot of like built-in story opportunity and adventure hooks kind of from those relationships for sure Right. I do have in the book uh, a section that talks about if you want to run it in a different way where your heroes are just, you know, traveling from town to town, you know, or like a team. Right. And I don't I hate comparing Street Wolves to a team because they're totally different moods. (laughs) But the setup of you get this mission from somebody who needs help and then you go help them. So but without like bosses. So if you want to run it that way, you can do that, too. This, the core theme of it is basically you're struggling against the forces of evil in cities. Usually there's drugs and crime and all kinds of cool stuff. So <laughs> all all the stuff you want from your your 80s noir, yeah. you know, kind of procedurally things. Um, so we talked a little bit about kind of the. Um, the pivoting process away from G.I. Joe and towards what would become Street Wolves. But was there something as you were, because it it is a, it's a very particular design. Like it's not just noir. It's not just, you know, this property or that property. There's again, there's neon. There's little bits of like magic and like powers involved. There's alternate histories. I heard you compare it to, to like the movie Alien, where it has that kind of like, 
it's in the future like cassette tape cassette futurism cassette futurism right um yeah but was there something you know kind of was there a kind of like core uh tenant or principle or vibe that as you were looking to really put this together and unify your vision of street wolves that you were kind of approaching as you were as you were writing and creating No, no. Right. <laughs> no, the funny thing answer. It's sort of yes, actually. I'll say it. yes, sort of. Um, <laughs> because the 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 thing was is I really leaned into the whole synth wave thing. Yeah. And that kind of contains the the stuff that I wanted to get at. So yeah. um I have this boring thing written out just in case I forgot, but it's um the differences between cyberpunk and synthwave, right? Like some people call street yeah. wolves cyberpunk and it's not, that's not what it is. It's they exist on opposite ends of the spectrum mm-hmm. where in synthwave, um, the danger is, you know, it's very nighttime focused and involves strangers yeah. and mysteries and discoveries. Uh, there's like an underlying rot and that there's the dangers that come from technology. But, you know, cyberpunk is that technology is everywhere and it sucks and it's advanced where I see synthwave or, you know, a particular part of synthwave where that technology is on the rise. Right. So that's why, yeah. you know, my setting has things like VR and, and video phones, stuff that's really kind of not harmful yet, but, you know, there's corporations and stuff that are working on things that can become dangerous and horrible and all that sort of thing. Something that I really appreciated that I think piggybacks off of that nicely is the amount of, of thought that clearly went into uh, the setting itself and kind of the alternate history portions of it and the kind of like mishmash of technology that went into it like you said there'd be like again cassette tapes and like arcades but also video phones all the way towards i think it was like 50 years 40 or 50 years of like alternate history all bullet pointed out to kind of give people an idea of the world that they're running around in knowing that you had the synthwave aesthetic kind of as the end goal but how did you did you did you work backwards? Did you work forwards? Did you just make calls on what seemed cool at the time or some combination therein? So uh, I'm going to sidestep the question just a little bit. Uh, I do want to talk about video phones just for a second, because <laughs> I've always yeah. been fascinated with technology that existed, but didn't quite take off. Yeah. Right. And so while I was writing this thing, I was like, oh, I have a reason to talk about it now. I have a reason to put it in. So that's why I put it in. Um, and you might find this interesting because you're from Chicago. When I go to C2E2, are you familiar with C2E2? Oh, yes. Uh, convention in Chicago for uh, it's pop culture, but primarily it was supposed to be for comics. But now, you know, comics is everything. Yeah. Um, if you go to the bathrooms in one of the like the downstairs parts in the convention hall, they have an old video phone. Yes. I it's exactly, a pay phone. I can picture it perfectly in my in my brain knowing exactly what you're a talking video about. payphone and i've been obsessed with that thing i've taken tons of pictures of it <laughs> it actually i think it's still a picture of it might be on the website right now but um so i love that kind of stuff and so you know you're talking about alternate history is like well how 
does that fit into my thing and why did it take off? Mm-hmm. Right. As yeah. opposed to the real world, they were just fizzled out. And, you know, now we can talk on our computers, but we we skipped that step, essentially. So that that was part of it. But, you know, there's a bunch of reasons for the alternate history uh, and and how it was shaped. One reason was, you know, I don't expect people to know the real 1980s. So, you know, you can go into this and kind of looked at that bullet point list. Like, oh, OK, you know. Uh, there's a thing with Star Wars when they were doing Rogue Squadron where it was, it's set in the Star Wars you remember, not the actual Star Wars. Got and it. that was like one of my goals was this is set in the 80s, but not the real 80s. So yeah. how do we shape that? Um, another thing was that I wanted the Soviet Union to be strong. Um, but in the 1980, the, the tail end, it was getting weaker. And by 91, they were done. Well, I want them to continue beyond that time frame because I have plans for the future. So how do we do that? So we have to explain why it's not completely crumbling. Um, I also want to distance our, you know, well, our, I say ourselves, anybody reading, right? I want to distance from having to be accurate to the time in the era. So we, I want to, pull ourselves away from the real world politics so we can still comment on things. But, you know, I like the twilight zone yeah. approach to commenting on politics and, and, you know, issues of the day where it's like, okay, we're not actually talking about Reagan and Reaganomics. We're talking about this other thing, but you know, maybe it's, <laughs> but if you squint you know, just a little bit, yeah, you might, might start familiar. seeing those things. So, you know, it kind of pulls us out of, having to be historically accurate, but still having that playground to explore topics in that yeah. era. More like the, you're, 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 it sounds like you were designing for the Hollywood 1980s of this is again, this is the genre, the vibe of the 80s, but not, not literally, this is not taking place in the United States, 1985. Right. And, and also, you know, a problem I have too is I'll, you know, I'll say, Street Wolves takes place in the 80s and then people will instantly think of a team and the goofiest thing possible. Oh, I <laughs> want to do this in your game. I want to do this. And I, I'll say, that's fine at your table. But mine is this 80s, you know, the serious stuff that can get goofy. Yeah. There's ninjas in my game. I'm not going to. That's not <laughs> silly. You know, that's not, you know, I'm not super serious. I can get goofy. But, you know, I don't focus on the 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 weird silly stuff that's remembered from the 80s i kind of try to focus on more that gritty neo talking about neo noir um that kind of 80s vibe so so for and and this is just i think a good fun question for someone who's put out a setting um but especially since you again you kind of had to think through all of these genre bits and the and the semi-historical bits and you know come up with like a functional setting and game to play in where was the line of like too much and enough world building like did you struggle with that balance of kind of like going down rabbit holes and realizing uh maybe this is not important maybe actually this is very important and i didn't think about this at all um or like kind of how did you find and navigate that process um so 
I don't know. I don't really know how to answer that exactly because it was just, it's in my mind, it's just kind of this big, you know, this big mess of things. It's just interconnected. I think what one of my goals was to make enough for people to base stories on or create adventures without giving them too much. And, you know, you actually, you know, now you actually made me remember this. So when I started, I, I don't know why I did this. It's such a silly idea. Street Wolves had two phases and you could pick as a GM. I want to be in phase one or phase two. Phase one is the one that exists now, right? Phase two was later in the nineties and it, it had different technology and gear available. Yeah, yeah. It had different faction changes. It was too much. And so I think that <laughs> goes into your two settings in one setting, basically. Exactly. And so that's, part of that world building was like, well, these people did this, but in this time they're this. And, you know, and it's just, no, 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 no. Like I, the book was huge. And you know, I've stripped a lot out of it over time because I, with the setting book, I want it to be just enough without being too much. And then if I want to investigate a little bit more, you know, about this factions history, this or that, then I can do it in an expansion or in an adventure where, okay, well, we're going to go fight that faction now. Well, what, what's their deal? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause there's a whole thing with um, the cult in the game where I had like their whole history, and, but you know, I, I even had like the stats for the cult leader. It's like, no, they're never, this setting should be, the street level battles, they're not going to meet that cult leader. Yeah, right? yeah. It's too, that's too advanced. So or if they are, the GM can figure it out. Don't worry about exactly, it. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. That was one thing too. It's just like, okay, you gotta, you gotta give it control over to those GMs out there. You know, <laughs> yeah. you don't want to be too, you know, up their butts about everything. Mm-hmm. So. And it, something that I thought kind of really stood out to me also even through my kind of high level, like look through and kind of assessment of the book and setting. Uh, obviously I wasn't like playing through it, but there is a good amount of, of mechanical aesthetic enforcing things of like, there's literally, there are, there are like technological forces that make everything look synth wave at night. And it's explained and like, that's part of like the world building and like character creation and power set. And I thought that was just wonderful of like, just, you know, like opening the throttle to kind of this like super intense thing. And you do, you have like a fashion guide of like, Hey, here's kind of what I imagined these characters might dress like and look like to kind of like all feed into it. And there are so many other kind of small examples of you weaving weaving and layering those feelings into the bones of, of street wolves. So was that something that was kind of central to you early, you know, kind of, I want to make sure that it is like grafted to the bones of this book or something that you kind of added gradually, or even something you didn't even really think about. It was something where at first I was making this thing. And then, you know, every time I think about it, it's, there, there's a couple of things that would pop up in my mind. It was, how do I make this unique enough to be its own thing, right? You know, to make it totally. different enough that warrant somebody to want to pick it up and not just go, well, I can use the Savage World basic book and then say that 
things are colored blue or whatever. You know, right. Yeah. Or, yeah. But then as I played around with it, then I would have these ideas that would crop mm-hmm. up like, why don't I do that? Why don't you know, I'd look at a lot of art, you know, I listen to synthwave music, which is this whole thing. But, you know, you'd <laughs> also look at the album covers and stuff and be like, why does that world look like that? Why can't my world look like that? Yeah. You know, how do I make that happen in this world? So then that, you know, then it leads to like, well, there's this weird stuff. Well, where did it come from? Well, the faction did it, you know, so it's just kind of like a domino effect from that original desire to make it unique and then try to emulate the the vibes of it. You know? Yes. Yeah. And and I think that, again, I, I, I think that really it's the, I think you did a good job of really of gamifying the setting. You know, like I feel like a lot of, a lot of setting books are very just like, I don't know, here's cool world building stuff. And like you figure it out. And then there's just mechanics of another game adjacent to it. Uh, but it 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 really struck me as you did a very good intentional job of making decisions of how do I make this like part of the game as opposed to just like a background. So do you have any kind of thoughts, advice, or just kind of like descriptions of mindset, I guess, uh, around, you know, kind of people who are designing their own settings or worlds or whatever, uh, for how to keep the fact that it has to be interactable with by GMs and players uh, in mind. So I'm a story first GM, mm-hmm. DM. I do adhere to the rules a lot. I'm not like the GM can just go, oh, let's ignore that. I mean, sometimes I do, but I, right. I, but I want the, the story should be the most important thing. So for me, it was a lot of what kind of stories do I want to see in this yeah. and how do I make that happen? So then it's kind of putting all those like little Lego pieces together to, you know, the base, you know, and then we're going to, you know, GM at home can now go, Oh, well, we'll, we'll put these pieces together this way. But it's all in service of a certain type of story. Yes. So, you know, I don't want to add because Savage Worlds has very solid mechanics and I don't want to alter them too much. And I get nervous anytime I do anything <laughs> mechanically, but there's certain things that I was like, I really need to be able to replicate how this sort of thing happens. It keeps happening. This theme, this sort of story, how does that happen? Well, then I come up with drive because I look into Savage Worlds had has, I don't know what the new horror companion has, but in the old horror companion, they had sanity. That's not right for this. So then I made drive and drive is more about how close you are to the edge, becoming a corrupt cop or, you know, a hothead or, or just somebody who's obsessed too much with the job, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. Losing yourself to the, to the world. Right. So that felt right to create those stories like in Miami Vice where Crockett spoiler for a 40 year old show (laughs) or 30 some year show Crockett's wife is killed and he loses it. And he, he murders the guy that, murdered his wife like he doesn't arrest him right he goes to the island where this guy's hanging out and just shoots him and that's kind of rock bottom for a cop you know maybe not for an action movie 
you know, that happens all the time. John Wick's killing thousands of people. But <laughs> in this particular type of story, that is his rock bottom. And he actually hits rock bottom a few times. But how do we get that to happen? Well, he hit zero drive, right? That's my reasoning. And so I make that in the setting. So, and I'm not into games where people are torturing other people or, or you know, I hate like. I, I did run D&D for a little while and my players were torturing a goblin. I said, look, this is not the type of game I want to run. Yeah. If you want to play the torture game, you play with somebody else, right? This is, you know, so, you know, if you do those kinds of things, that's a drive check. If, you know, and then it was actually pretty close to release. I made this change where anytime you kill somebody, you have to make a drive check, which you know, role-playing games, you're killing people all the time. Who cares, you know? But in this world, you know, violence is nasty and it's not natural. And, you know, if you... And I actually had sessions where, you know, you in Savage Worlds, you can have exploding dice. And, you know, you just want to hurt somebody a little bit. All of a sudden, your damage goes super high and you've killed them. And, you know, the player plays that really well where they're like, I didn't mean to do that kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. Well, that should be reflected in drive too, right? Like if you didn't want that to happen, that that really should have an effect on, you know, uh, on what, you know, your morality or whatever, you know. So I don't know if I answered your question. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) That's kind of solid. That's the kind of thinking that goes behind me adding mechanics. Yeah. So. It just, I really liked the way you were talking about, about, you know, kind of noticing things in media and saying, hold on, here's a thing. And I should attach, you know, I should, I need to, I need to replicate that. So not, not how do you always watch media, but how do you consume media when it comes to, you know, kind of like looking for inspiration and looking for those sorts of insights. Like, is there a particular mindset you get into or is it just something that you that kind of like occurs to you um, as you're watching a thing or or whatever? Um, It's kind of hard to say. I think it yeah. might come a little bit from my writing background that I had, even though I wasn't like an author where you know, I was also an English major. I have a degree in it. I didn't really do anything with it. But you look at things analytically, right? You, you're writing papers and, you know, what did this author mean? Or, you know, what are these characters right. doing? And all that kind of stuff. There were tons of papers. And so I think now if I'm just watching things I like, yeah. I'll in the back of my mind, there's like something going on. It's like, why do I like this? What is what is happening here? And I, I make a note of about it mentally right you know it might even just be subconsciously and then over time i really think you know i'll start living in that world you know think about the thing i really liked and what do i like about it and that's kind of where i go with it yeah um i'll I'll give a shout out to um morgan richter who had a youtube series she's an author um she did all of the episodes of miami vice she did this whole series And so that also helped me digest it too, because she had all this really great commentary on each episode and it kind of helped put my thoughts into order in a way too. So I'd, you know, I'd watch an episode and then quick fire up her YouTube Mm -hmm. thing. Oh, cool. And like, okay, yeah, that is why that, that happened or, you know, like that kind of thing. So that was a part of that for, for me. Yeah, for sure. Another thing 
that that also jumped out at me. And I think we had been kind of dancing around it a little bit when you said that, like, this is a world where where, where violence is not natural. Right. Where where being here costs something doing this this work again Miami Vice is kind of the like a nice touchstone but you are you're kind of members of like a pseudo an organization as opposed to like a police force or whatever yeah i didn't um, want to do cops because right, right. i yeah, wanted to make that like super clear because it is not <laughs> it is not a cop like not a cop thing but knowing that it's a setting and knowing of course that each gm and table are going to make it their own thing and tell their own stories and find their own meanings in it while while you were writing it, was there kind of a thesis of of Street Wolves of the setting or several, obviously, where it's like kind of an essential element of whatever stories are going to be told in the Street Wolf setting? You baked it in kind of at a at a base level because of how genre it is and how tied to those that kind of very specific feel that you worked to 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 make it have i'll say sort of because yeah. the the main reinforcing thing is the vibes right that we're talking about vibes yep without the vibes street wolves wouldn't exist so essentially every decision i've made is in building the the setting is to enforce the vibes yep. <laughs> i should have a mm-hmm. shirt that says enforce the vibes um, it's a good one, actually. <laughs> that's a good one. That's really oh, good. Nobody take that. Yeah, yeah. Um, dibs, dibs, dibs. TM, TM. Um, but you know, somebody on Twitter, you know, I don't know. It was just kind of a weird request. They requested that I describe the setting without using the word synthwave, and I thought it was really weird because it'd be like, could you describe D and D without the word fantasy? Right. right? Yeah. It's the or formula, magic or yeah, yeah it's exactly. Like, what are we doing here? Yeah, so the, the formula is Synthwave plus Miami Vice equals Street Wolves. And it's like, all right, how do we tell these stories? But also, like, I don't want you to think that I'm just ripping off Miami Vice. So we just keep right. using it as a touchdown. But <laughs> it's there's all these other things. There's like those things. And then what can I make my thing more unique? Like, so it's its own IP without getting sued by Paramount or whoever owns <laughs> Uh, Miami Vice. So, you know, that's why there's the powers with the that is tied into that stuff that makes the city's glow weird. And so there's all these kind of things where I I want it to be its own thing. You know, some people we talked about Star Wars where they say, uh, I don't know if you ever heard the phrases like make your own Star Wars, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like, this is my Star Wars. How do I make it so it's unique enough where you know, you don't pick up some other RPG book and go, well, this is his thing, but, you know, I don't know maybe there's elves in it. You know, I, I want it to be its own <laughs> thing. You know, if you want to play this type of story, then this is the book you pick up. Mm-hmm. Um, I also wanted to ask, uh, it sounds like the decision to have this be Savage Worlds as the system powering Street Wolves it sounds like it came pretty early. Was that the case? So we had the old D6 version, right, that I talked about, which was Wolfpack. And then the the thing is, is I am not super, and we talked, I briefly mentioned that, like, I get nervous when I make mechanics because yeah. I'm not the mechanics guy. I'm the story guy. 
So I didn't want to make something from scratch. It just wasn't really appealing to me. So I started looking around at other systems. And when I fell upon Savage Worlds, it felt really right for this, Mm -hmm. uh, particularly because it does have some similarities with um, the West End Games Open D6. It's not a D6 system, but just the way the skills are used and there's just certain kind of the wounds the way there's no there's no uh hp you know no no health points or anything like that so there's just certain things that just felt enough like it without the flaws of the other thing and then you know i started looking at their um licensing and it's pretty good for third parties um i got the ace license which is their top tier third party license um and you know i don't want to bore anybody with like all the (laughs) details of what that means but you can sell with an ace license you can sell it wherever you want however i can do a kickstarter i could do print run they don't care uh the only time they take any kind of cash out of your pocket is through drive-through rpg sales they they take a little bit they skim a little off the top which (laughs) get a little Um, kickback but, you know, I could sell it wherever I want otherwise, and I can use your logo, nice. and all their fans are more aware of my thing. Um, that's not to say I I am very much open to either someday making it to its own thing, you know, or maybe finding another system and then having, like, another, you know, if you don't like Savage Worlds, maybe you'll like the blah, blah, blah. You'll, find some of, you'll have many ways to play hopefully yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. but that's kind of on the back burner right now you know but yeah so it, it did kind of come a, like early in the revision of the yeah. whole thing right so yeah so doing a doing a setting slash game is a is a large project <laughs> yeah I, I, it's not a hopefully a controversial thing to say mm-hmm. uh and i think think we were talking a little bit beforehand so i'm not 100 percent sure was this your first quote unquote like product uh in the in the ttrpg space yes <laughs> i went i would not recommend this to other people to do this. <laughs> it's ridiculous well so so it is it again it is it's it's a hundred and i think 60 some 60 some pages or thereabouts uh but that doesn't include the adventures, the character sheets, the player, you know, quick start rules and all the supplementary stuff and being on Twitter and all the things. Um, so I guess kind of first and foremost, was were there points where it felt like a little too much, <laughs> where it got where the work got a little intimidating or you were at a part where I don't like doing this part of the work, but I know it needs to be in my book. Was that something you encountered, especially over the long kind of development cycle that that you had? So uh, I'll just step step back a little bit. So, yeah, even though this was my first thing that I finished and is out there, you know, I did have. Um, you know, like I said, I've written adventures. And when I say like I've written adventures, I was very verbose. A lot of people, you know, you make little bullet points. No, I'm writing whole paragraphs and adventures that only I will see. Right. So 
I had that down, you know, and I had some cards from like Star Wars players that I designed that had a little picture that was all visual. So I did things just yeah. for my table. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, I kind of got some of that experience in, but, you know, I still remain that or still say that don't make a setting as your first actual <laughs> release. It's it's just crazy. Um, I think for me, what kept me going was um so i've always had a hard time finishing projects we talked about all the the things that i haven't done (laughs) (laughs) but um two things that happened in my life which i think are critical towards success in this uh one is it's gonna may sound a little silly but my uh, my girlfriend was one day just said i want to learn how to ride a motorcycle i want to get my learner's permit do you want to do it with me and i'm Mr. Anxiety and I but I've always kind of had an interest in that because my dad rides or rode motorcycles Mm -hmm. and so you know what I said yes I'll do it I went did the course and I learned how and I was like yeah I'll I I can do this thing right like it was this big confidence builder and this is in my 30s right like I I'm a I'll say a late bloomer then later on she says well I used to do this martial art called Kobudu uh, Kobudu. Uh, I can't even pronounce it right now. <laughs> Kobudu. Yeah. Used to do a martial art. Yeah. <laughs> so my girlfriend says, I used to do this martial art and I want to go back to it. Do you want to go with me? And since I had already done the motorcycle thing, I was like, fine, I will <laughs> break out of my comfort zone. I'll go to a class. I'll dress up in the, the gi. And, you know, some people think it looks silly. You know, you watch the office or whatever. Ah, adults taking martial arts, whatever. But it was extremely important in my personal development because I stuck with it and I eventually got a black belt. Um, Congratulations. Thank you very much. I I love to brag about it, but no, it, it was one of those things where I, I stuck to it. I did it. I, you know, went to the classes I learned, I got better. Um, it was all about the focus. It's like the, the reasons why you take little kids to martial arts. These are the things you want them to learn, but it, it's never too late. If anybody's interested in taking martial art, I say go for it um, because it really helped me. So after that, it was like I had this goal, right? Mm-hmm. And it is going to happen. And so hell or high water, it's I'm writing Street Wolves. I'm doing it. I'm never going to stop. I'm not going to stop. Um, then part of that too was i start talking about it right i'm on twitter i'm gonna make this thing everyone look at look at me look at me i want to make this thing i mean yeah yeah. look at me no no judgment here that's all i do for like 12 hours a day is hey look at me i'm making this thing and so i mean if you want to get into this whole thing and you don't want to say look at me it's gonna be a lot harder if Anyway. At least in terms of getting people to actually, you can still make the thing. Yeah. But getting people to consume the thing, there it's might be, be tough. Right. Yeah. So I'm on Twitter saying, look at me. So now I have shame. If I don't do it, <laughs> I'm going to be ashamed, right? Because I've talked about it so much. You know, so I made, in a way, I, I made myself accountable, right? Yeah. To yeah. Do this. That's, the, that's the the psychologically more healthy way of saying I, I brought all this shame upon myself. Right? <laughs> yeah, I would held myself accountable. Yes. Potential shame. <laughs> yes. Exactly. So I work in potential shame. No, I made myself accountable by saying to everyone, I'm gonna do this. Hey, this thing is coming, blah, 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 blah. 
So it there wasn't ever a point where I was stopping yeah. or feeling like I was going to stop. The 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 main issue I had was oh my god this is taking forever, right? I thought it would take a year. It is now 2 years. It's 2 <laughs> years plus like you know, so that was the issue where it was it'll get done. I just am in agony because um with any kind of big project, right? You you reach that whatever that 80 or 90% of it. Yeah. But then you're stuck in that remaining portion for a really long time. And that was one of my problems. It was just like, oh, I have the layout done, but it's taking months and months and months to complete. So there are many things that go into a, a book. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's layout, there's marketing, there's like art direction, which again, you have some really excellent art in, in your book. Were there things that, that either A, you kind of surprised yourself as like, oh, I really enjoyed that or I'm really good at this or B, that you had to just like punch your way through and or get someone <laughs> to help you through uh, being, you know, the one man, you know, kind of creation team that you are. Yeah. So I think. Mo so I did have I have had a lot of help. It's one of those things where it's like I don't want to say that you know, table cat games is one person because I've had so much good advice. Yeah. So much people boosting me, you know, I, no man is an Island or whatever the phrase is um, because I've had so much help. Uh, but you know, 90% of the, the, the actual work comes from me writing or doing the design and all that kind of stuff. I think doing the book layout is kind of tough for me because I'm new to it. And I'm not always right. happy with the results. Yeah. Like people tell me it looks good, but I, I'm really picky. Uh, I, so I'm a web designer in real life. That's my real life job. <laughs> um, and I, I kind of equated to this where uh, for a long time, I thought my stuff was okay. And there was just something missing about it. And then after a certain point where you do it enough, you feel like, Oh, okay. I can do this now. I, I feel good about it. And so with the layout stuff, the graphic design, I'm still kind of in that stage where uh, I'm not sure if this is really working for me. I want mm -hmm. this to be better. So I think that's the toughest part. Um, I don't like, I'm not, I don't like making marketing graphics as much. I feel it takes me a long time to do that, but and, you know, you have to have a bunch of different things to try to get people's attention. Yep. <laughs> uh, and I don't like um, thinking about taxes. No. Yeah, that's also <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fair. That's yeah, like, not probably anyone's ideal place to be. I get the like I, I formed an LLC because I just wanted some sort of protections in case I did yep, make totally. a mistake or something. And uh, it's just that dealing with that and the Wisconsin you're supposed to pay, pay sales tax on like everything. And oh, just, yeah. Ugh. So <laughs> this last year's taxes, and this is probably really boring for anybody listening, but <laughs> this last year's taxes are going to be too bad because I didn't sell anything really, right? But like now that the book's out, it's it feels like the Grim Reaper is at my Looming. door. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Totally. So that, that is something you, you don't really think about when you go into, I just want to, you yeah. know, I'm all dedicated to making this thing. And then there's all this other work out there that you're making for yourself. Yeah. It, I, I always find it interesting, um, both for me personally, and I think just to hear from other people of, of the work that is not doing the work, you know, of like the work is writing a book, but you also have to form an LLC and figure out taxes and you have to, you know, do marketing and like yeah. layout and design and that kind of stuff that it goes well beyond. Well, no, I, but I'm writing a book and that's what I'm doing. Um, so I, I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the supplementary stuff that you've put out. Uh, and I know that are hoping to put out for, for street wolves. Uh, most, most of all, I really did want to talk to you about the jumpstart rules, like a rules light version or kind of like a, a vibes and rules version of street wolves to kind of, you know, uh, Oh, I almost said chum the waters and I don't feel <laughs> super comfortable, like comfortable with no. that particular phrase. I look at all my customers as a hungry sharks, just wanting blood. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, so can you talk a little bit about the decision to release that, what went into it and kind of what, um, what it was met with? Well, it was, one of those things where, you know, at first I kind of had this mindset. It's just like this capitalist mindset where it's like, I don't want to do anything for free. Right. I, I yeah. just give me money. But because uh, I mean, you, you got to think about it, all this work you're putting into it. It feels weird to put something out there for free. But, yeah. you know, um, when, you know, you look around Savage Worlds, it's pretty common for there to be a free jumpstart quick start type thing and so if everyone else is doing it, it's like I, I should do this too the the other reason why i did it was i'm pretty pragmatic about having usually when i do something now it's for a reward later so uh working on building a mailing list right it's so i can market to people and let them know what i have stored later on right like i worked on that for like mm -hmm. over a year and uh, then Twitter starts falling apart. It's like, geez, I'm sure glad I started working on a marketing list. But uh, as far as the jumpstart goes, as, you know, I was just saying that I'm not super confident in my layout abilities, right? But as a web designer, sometimes developer-ish, uh, I look at it like I want to build reusable components, right? Like in a program, you build pieces and then you just reuse them over and over. And with the layout, well, if I work on this jump start, then I can know what the headers look like yeah. and what a sidebar looks like and what. So I I was able to build all this stuff and it, it did feel bad because I did feel like I was taking a step back because it, it, you know, you stop the forward momentum on the actual book to build this mini book, but it ends up saving you time in the long run because you've kind of worked out what a table looks like, what this is going to look like. And you can just reuse it. You can copy paste it. Right. And, you know, I ended up changing it. Uh, I've updated it a couple of times, but overall it's basically what became of the full book. I think you asked how was it received? Yeah. Or just kind of, yeah. And like a little bit about the, like, yeah, the strategy behind it and whether it was a good strategy ultimately. <laughs> um, it was pretty well received i wouldn't not do it again uh it's pretty essential right because if 
Streetwolves is my first release, right? And I've got nothing out there and I release this book and there's no sample, then how do you know it's any good, right? Yeah. You might see a couple extra pages. So, and, and also it gave me that experience of putting something up on drive through and putting something on my site. So it, it was a really, really good exercise. And as far as people like it, they, they, they seem to really enjoy it. I've had a lot of good feedback on it. Um, that, you know, as far as like, um, what kind of kept me going, just, you know, you hear these nice things and okay, I'm going to keep working on this thing. Cause people like this thing. Yeah. Um, I haven't really, it, it feels weird though, because it, it, it's had about 900 downloads. Total. Wow. Awesome. Thank you. I, you know, I don't know if that's good or not. But. See, it, it is all, no one knows any numbers in this business, right? It is all just like, yeah. yes, work. 900 feels like a, a good number to me. And I hope it also feels like a good number to you. Well, <laughs> I, I kind of, I'm coming from a small town, going back to the, the beginning right. of that's more than my town's population when I was growing wow. up. So <laughs> if everyone had a copy, that's a lot, right? Um, that's pretty good. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I haven't really heard much outside of my sphere of influence, right? Like, um, it seems like most people that are into it are in contact with me, right? So, which is cool. Like, I like talking to people about it. I love answering questions. I like helping them with whatever. But I've only seen a couple things outside of it where X person might have said something here or like there's a blog post and i also i don't like looking looking for that kind of stuff because yeah, yeah. you know like you hear about the movie director that googles themselves or whatever i don't do that because i don't want to find bad trash talk about <laughs> I me that. i get that very deeply so if you come to me and we're talking about it like you know you're this great i don't need to go looking for your blog post or something this will be the official call to action is if you have a nice thing to say about street wolves just reach out yeah just reach out it'll just be really something. cool man <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome whether or not you know you know p vincent already or whether it's a total stranger just yeah. do it it'll be great it's always you, a good thing yes totally but if you hate it that's fine just keep it to yourself yeah don't you don't need that know. no one needs that need uh that. you can you know like uh, write it in like a, a word document and really vent it and then delete yeah. it. And then, wow, congratulations. We all move on with our day a little bit more positively. Um, so, oh, sorry, I need to interrupt. So there is actually um, one thing that I do get nervous about because like we're talking about like how I get nervous about mechanics. I do get a little bit of a vibe that there's certain and Savage Worlds players that are pretty into like the optimized choices. So, you know, and because I'm story first, they might look at my edges or whatever and be like, Oh, why would anybody pick that? Or that's only circumstantial or that, yeah. or that kind of thing, which totally understandable. And they might be turned off to certain things because I'm a more of a story person. Right. right. So that I like that's one reason why I don't really look out there so much because it's like, I don't really need to see somebody tearing apart my choices of edges. <laughs> yeah. You you've done the thing you've designed it the way you wanted to design it. You don't need to hear anyone saying I wouldn't design it that way. It's like, well, good news. You're not me. And you're probably in the same camp. I would guess where if you're at your table and you're looking at something in a book and you like a lot of it, but you don't like some of it, you could change it. Right. Yeah. I, easy. Who, who cares? Easy. Right. 
you don't have to be like, oh, this at a plus two, that doesn't make sense. Well, fine, at your table, make it a plus one. Yeah, right? whatever you want to do. It's it's easy. No worries. I don't right. need to know that. <laughs> yeah. At least not, not in a, a, a mean way. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so before I talk about kind of uh, your future, Street Wolf's future, all that good stuff, how does it feel to, to now, after years of work, be someone who has an entire book out? It's okay. So I try, you, you might ask this later, like what, like what, about my outlook at life, but it's a little bittersweet because on the one hand it's out there, yeah. but on the other hand, it's like, oof, I really would like it to be a printed book. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you, 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 you achieve this big thing and you immediately, then the new yes. goal is set. And so yeah. um, that's what, one thing that's hard for me and then also another thing like you know if we're talking about numbers or whatever um sales have slowed down because you know it's out or whatever and it's like i'm a little less than where i'd want to be you know but it's fine you know uh, i'm just gonna keep plugging away making great stuff i have to get the word out there right like that's essentially it it's like you know like i said my sphere of influence right those people have heard about it and they've liked it and they bought it and they may be enjoying it, but it's like, we gotta, we gotta get it out there more for other people to enjoy it too. So, you know, it's, it's probably going to be a little, little bit of a, a jog or, or um, a marathon, right? Um, it's going to be a yes. marathon probably rather than yes. like an instant hit or whatever, but it did pretty like indie indie tabletop role playing game or really an indie DIY. Anything is <laughs> yeah. a lot of like, just keep screaming about it, I guess. Yeah, totally. And so, and that's the thing is like, I have all these plans for it and I'm going to keep at it. And we, you know, we could talk about stuff I'm working on with it, but it's like, I want to keep supporting it because, you know, the people that learn about it later on, they might go, oh, well, here it is. And then there's all these other things too. And if they really like it, then that's all available. Yep. Right. So. And more fresh things to market and to yada, yada. Yeah, absolutely. So where, where, what are your hopes and dreams kind of with Street Wolves in the tabletop space, uh, all that kind of stuff? Well, uh, I want a print edition of the book. Yeah. I need it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> of, co- of course, it's... I would too. I like, I would have absolutely already spent a silly amount of money at like a Kinko's or whatever to like get a weird bound version. That's version, kind of yeah. So yeah, I understand. I've that been very tempted deeply. to do that myself, but um, so I, I want a print version that, so if, you know, we're talking about future plans, I'm going to do a Kickstarter for that in cool. the future. Um, the bare minimum would be to get the book done, but then like stretch goals would be like more art because the art, I, I'm very satisfied with the stock art I found. Yeah, quality art. I love the art that the artists made. I want more of what, they can do right not just yes. what i'm recoloring in photoshop or whatever so you know i i'm really hoping to get a print version with more custom art um like what my my hopes and dreams basically is i i don't need to live off of table cat games yeah. but i would like it to be a thing where i can think i want to make this thing I'm going to hire this artist to do the cover and not freak out about how I'm going to pay for that. Yeah, right? at least have enough 
in, coming in to immediately reinvest it and not yeah. have to worry so much about it. Yeah. Right. Cause that, you know, in the, you know, uh, proofreaders and editors, yeah. uh, they're well worth every penny, but it's just like, you know, if I'm only going to sell, you know, 25 copies of this adventure, I can't afford an editor and an artist. Right. Yep. And I think totally. this is, and we're not going to get into it too much, but the struggle with AI art is like why it's so tempting for people. It's because it's like, Oh, I want really good art, but I, you know, I do, I can't afford it. Um, you know, my strategy is what can I do with, you know, stock art and, yeah. and that sort of stuff. Which is again, and you do a really fantastic job of, of putting that very seamlessly into all the design and that kind of stuff. So again, it's a very cool and good looking book. Thank you. Um, that's what I hope for. Cause it, it was a lot of looking for the right pieces and then recoloring them or editing, photo bashing them somehow to get yep. them to work for my thing, which you, you'd be surprised. There's not a lot of stock art out there for a synth wave, retro <laughs> futuristic <laughs> 1980s, blah, 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 blah. You to learn. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not like you can just search for that and then find a bunch of pictures. It'll work. Are you uh, finally going to be able to put out some some adventures? <laughs> yeah, that, as you as you uh, wanted to originally. Yeah, the yeah. Forget the core book. Who cares? This is all about the adventures. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, I'm. I have a brief pause right now where I'm working on a non Street Wolves thing. Ooh. But it's a, It's going to be a real small Kickstarter to basically fund, like I just said, the editor and potentially some art um for this dark fantasy thing that's basically a lasers and feelings hack but um remember i had said earlier that uh oh this is for future stuff is like i want to do this small kickstarter to get experience for the street wolves kickstarter so um so i'm i'm i have a, a lot of attention on this uh game the wicked forever king hungers yes so and it's gonna be fun uh it's probably about two pages or whatever maybe three uh because i can't help myself <laughs> um but i think i read i on your on the tweet that it was a one ish page yeah i like to say ish a lot because i'm not gonna hold myself down to anything yeah <laughs> but um for adventures for street wolves right now uh i have most of it written but it's a it's kind of a different thing where in street wolves a lot of it's in cities and there's more action and whatnot in this this is a small town and it's real gritty and dark and more of kind of a horror thing a little bit um but i'm working on this adventure and uh megan caves of gone rogue entertainment is working on it with me and primarily she's going to be doing some audio components of it. Um, So uh, the idea is you kind of get prompts via audio as you play. So like the audio is like clues or, or whatever. Um, I don't want to spoil too much because I've got to test it and everything. Yeah, totally. Yeah, right. It's it's still a work in progress, but baseline. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That sounds really cool. I'm really excited to work with her. She's awesome. Um, So, uh, that's the first well that's the first adventure um and then there's 
a plot point campaign in the future that's a savage worlds thing where it's kind of like a it's kind of like a structure that's you know like you pick up um uh storm king's thunder or whatever for dnd it's like huge and it's got all this stuff the savage worlds campaigns like that are usually a lot leaner that have a lot more ability to be flexible um but i have a friend that's uh going to be working on the first plot point campaign and i'm excited about that and then i got some other stuff for that too but many many irons in the fire is the point there, yeah. there's more content from and, Tablecast studios right and then after these are done i'd like to do um street wolves malibu which is more <laughs> it's fun in the sun it's a little bit lighter and then it uh, it advances the plot line to like the the early 90s like I was cool saying. awesome yeah so that's the phase two right exactly so, yeah. coming back around no yeah. work is wasted work right um if you cut it out of a word doc and put it in another word doc you can always go back to that yeah original. and then you just have made two word documents mm-hmm. isn't that pretty cool um, the last question that I had had kind of for you, and and this is something that I especially wanted to talk to you because you you talk a lot about the collaboration you've received from other people, the advice that you've received from other people. You are very active, you know, kind of like pus, uh, uh, publicly and kind of behind the screens in terms of just talking to people and networking and kind of being an active participant in the sphere, so to speak, so to speak. So. Um, is, do you have any kind of like creative and especially for someone who does a lot of like genre work, um, for, for street wolves, do you, are there any particular creative types, TTRPG or otherwise that you kind of particularly admire or have learned a lot from as a, as a creator? No. Go. Okay. Easy. All right. Well now <laughs> on to the lightning round. No, no, no. Um, so the, the list would be like crazy long and, I, right. and I'm going to leave people off. I'm going to feel really, really bad about it. Yep, but totally. um, so I'll say that my artist friend, uh, Jurassic Todd, he's great to talk to run things by. He's not really in the sphere so right. much. So, you know, forget him. Again, cr- any, any it's creatives. Okay, all right, like, all right. Oh, yes. And I've learned a lot from the creator of my yeah. advice like that. Yeah. It's a blank. Crea- Michael Mann. Thank you. Uh, but so then also um, Jason Ho, who was originally the art director, advisor guy. Um, he was awesome. I said I wouldn't bring him up in this. Uh, we have this running joke that I give him too much credit, but I brought <laughs> him up so he can suck it. Um, I'd also like to point out that uh, as far as Savage Worlds go, the creator of Titan Effect and the creators of uh, Battle Lords. Yep. Uh, they're really awesome. Uh, so check their stuff out because they're super supportive. They've been supportive to me the whole time. And, you know, I can look at what they've done within the Savage Worlds thing. And then, you know, like, um, you know, steal their ideas, you know, <laughs> <laughs> what are good things that they've done? And then I can do them. Um, and as far as, you know, uh, just in general, uh, I have to give a huge shout out to Cassie Mothwin. Um, Friend, super talented friend of the show cassie mothwin powerhouse literally yep. a house of power yes uh she's super God, fun to talk be, to that should be her new fucking twitter handle <laughs> house, cassie of house of power mothwin that's sick as hell i like it yeah but super supportive person beyond generous with her time and support it talking about stealing people's ideas 
is she's done what I've wanted to do ahead of me, like release the games, done a crowdfunding. So, you know, it's a kind of, she, I think she formed the LLC before me. So it's <laughs> like, I'm a step behind, like, you know, and I can ask her as an, yeah, as an example. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, she's great. Uh, and I also want to shout out to, uh, uh, Carrie Smith of yep. Crossroads. Friend of friend of the show. Yeah, great person, great friend. Still has me on APs, although I'm a terrible actor. I don't understand it, but um, I, I love her energy and what she's doing. Uh, and she started about the same time as me too. So it, it's just like, you know, we've all kind of got this like thing. We're all, we're all growing together. And, you know, even though she's in the AP world, you know, um, I want, I want to see her succeed. And I try to plug her stuff as much as possible right because you know it's they've got something really go cool going on over there they did a playthrough right of uh on the channel they did of, of, of I, yeah i, I guess maybe you know, the, I uh, i'll put a link in the uh the description for anyone who is interested in in checking that out yeah and actually cassie's in that one um because oh yeah you know, like true. i said we're all work yeah we're all working together uh we all know each other from when we all kind of started at the same time it's kind of like these links and um you know i, I for if you join the mailing list for Street Wolves, I have a plug. If you join the mailing list for Street Wolves, you get a code to get um, the character that Cassie played in the Crossroads playthrough. Oh, cool. So it's kind of like a, a big circle. But um, well, I'll yeah. also be sure to include the uh, the link to join the mailing list also in the episode description, and as well as okay, all sorry. the other links anyone could ever want. I feel I feel so bad. I just keep pushing this uh, whole stream no. thing on everybody here. <laughs> no, you're, that's again. It's going to be in the title of the episode. It's all good. All right. Well, buy it. <laughs> PV. It is. It is now time. Oh no. Yeah. No, that's correct. That's the correct reaction for the reckless to talk lightning round, uh, wherein I ask you a series of questions, the exact same number of the exact same questions that I have asked every single guest to have ever been on this show. Um, and uh, there is no wrong answer. The only wrong answer is one, I guess, that you uh, lie about. But even then, I don't know, make it an entertaining lie. It can be short. It can be as little as one word. It can be a whole five minute long spiel. It can also be, you know, I don't really have a good answer for that. All of them lovely and valid. There is, again, no time limit. It is as you deem appropriate. Are you ready for the Reckless to Talk lightning round? Oof, I think so. I'm sweating bullets right now. Again, you should be. That is a correct response. Question one. Is your glass half full or half empty? Okay, so I'll say that it's half empty, but I've worked hard on trying to change my perspective. Ooh. What excites you creatively, spiritually, and or emotionally? I think seeing others being excited by a thing. So, you know, mm -hmm. if, if I can make a thing and people are excited about it. I love that. If I can give them an answer or, you know, if they're happy because I was able to help them in some way, if, if I can give somebody joy somehow, I guess that's, that is the return that I like is, you mm -hmm. know, the joy that they feel I get. It. What does not excite you creatively, spiritually, and or emotionally? I mean, taxes, <laughs> it's, just, it's, no it's hard, to, you know, like, it, yeah, it's just, there's a lot of things, uh, but I'll just say that for now. That's the easiest <laughs> one and the most on my mind. Yeah. Fair. What is your favorite sound? 
I really dig rain. It's a big one for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What sound do you hate? I have two. Can I say two? Of Am course. It is your it is All your right. space. I hate the sound of children screaming their heads off. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it drives me crazy. And I live across from a school, so I hear it a lot. Mm. Uh, and then the other thing I hate is uh, cars honking outside on the street, like honk, 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 like constantly. I just, that drives me batty. What's your favorite word? Okay, so I don't really have one, but what's funny is you ask me that now, and I have this moment where the word diarrhea comes up just because mm. it makes me laugh. <laughs> it's, if, I, if somebody said, like, uh, I was just watching Curb. There's no judgment here. Yeah, thank you. I was just watching Curb, and somebody said, I have diarrhea. It just, I, I laugh so <laughs> hard, even though it's the worst thing to have, but... Don't what put me your... on record for that. Don't. <laughs> but it's, I, I did not put you on record for oh, it. No. You put yourself oh, no. on record for it, unfortunately. Oh, no. And now we have to move on, for this is indeed, uh, obviously, high stakes, high intensity lightning round. What is your least favorite word? Okay, I really don't have one. I can't think of You know, mm-hmm. some people say moist, but you know, I'm fine with moist. Yeah, doesn't so, do anything for me either. Yeah. What tabletop role-playing game monster or antagonist, uh, interpret that as you will, have you not faced or run that you would love to? And it can be a trope, it can be a monster, it can be whatever that means to you. Um, so I don't really play D&D that much. I know the, the, the thing is kind of more generic for me, but um, I... There's certain monsters like what is the one that's like a terrorist terror uh, yeah I've got, that seems cool to me uh so <laughs> Just there's a like giant unstoppable or, or a beholder like I've never faced some of the most iconic yeah, totally. things so you know in my time playing it's like oh like they still kind of have this mystique for me where well oh, boy that would be neat to to totally. fight that thing yeah what is your favorite adventure of all time? Similarly, it does. It can be a tabletop role-playing game one. It can be one you wrote, one you played in, one you watched. Or it could be just an adventure story. Indiana Jones, 1999's classic The Mummy, etc., etc., whatever it means to you. I'll say life. No, Ooh. sorry, that's a pretentious answer. Um, I really loved running uh, Delta Green's Impossible mm-hmm. Landscapes. Yeah. Uh, it was took months and it was so intricate and it had all these things that the players like it didn't mean anything to them at the time but then months later it does and it became this like it got into their heads so you know if you have any interest in delta green it's a really really cool adventure yep it is supposed to be a legendarily good adventure yeah it's great great stuff what is your favorite tabletop role-playing game character of all time? Similarly, it can be one you played, one you played with, one that was an NPC, one you watched on an actual play, whatever. See, that's tough. Um, I I like a lot. So because I was such a Star Wars kid that, you know, the, the Star Wars adventures that I've played with mm-hmm. my friends, like there's so many of them that I that are like my favorites because of that. I think one that I still have, like I kind of carry a torch for Mm -hmm. is my character Teague because 
he was this pilot and he it, we it was really fun and i i I had to work really hard to get an X-Wing. It, you know, I actually <laughs> won a race. Like I had a GM that was very, um, it's going to take a long time to get anything, right? So yeah. I had to earn all this stuff. And by the time I got all this stuff, I built my own R2 unit, right? From nothing, <laughs> like I had pieces mm-hmm. and I built it. So that character means a lot to me because he was my first character too. And then the group died and it's like, you know, so, so that's the one that I still think about. Like, what is the he? one that got away? But I, you know, I when I was running my own games, I did put him in as an NPC. So nice. He lives. He lives. Well, he lives on. Yeah. Final question. What gives you hope? I, you know, that's a tough one. I just think that things will turn around. You know, I, I feel like the future can be brighter. Maybe it's the half empty, half glass type of trying to flip it around type of thing. But yeah, I just, I just have this like inner belief that, um, that, you know, I have hope that things will be better. Mm -hmm. Well, P Vincent, congratulations. You have run the, not just the lightning round gauntlet, but also the entirety of the reckless attack gauntlet. Congratulations. As your reward, could you please remind everyone who you are, how to support your work, uh, where to find you, all the good stuff. Okay, so I'm PV, P. Vincent, whatever you want to call me. Uh, Tablecat Games, that's probably the best one to use. Uh, you can find me pretty much anywhere there's an uh, internet uh, social media site as Tablecat Games or some variation on that. Uh you can go to the website tablecatgames.com is like the home base. Um, ideally, if you want to sign up for the mailing list, that'd be real cool. You'd link be like in the favorite. episode description. Yes, uh, like I said, I said this the other day. I wish I could give every person that joins the mailing list a nice pat on the head because they deserve it. Um, but yeah, like pretty much everything's there, um, and I just try to share what's coming up and I try to boost other people. So if you want to follow me and see like recommendations for other cool folks and other cool projects, I try to hit that RT button as much as possible or Tumblr. I try to reblog. So all available in the show notes. P Vincent. Thank you so very much for being here. It was a delight. And uh, you're a delight. No, this is about you. I <laughs> okay. do not accept your compliments. All right, then I Thank then you. I take it back. Well, then I take it back. Oh, no. <laughs> Thanks for coming. <laughs> Bye. Bye.